welcome to another Folk Roots Radio. I'm Jan Hall. All the best in folk roots, Americana, singer-songwriters and blues, and artist interviews. On Folk Roots Radio, as we love to say every week, we're all about the music and the people that make it. Now coming up, we have another great interview for you. We're giving over the whole of this episode to an interview with Annie Sumi about her third studio album, Solastalgia. A beautiful recording with a deep and powerful connection to the earth that celebrates the marvel of the living world, while also sounding the alarm that we're starting to lose that connection. As the natural environment comes under more and more pressure from human development activity, and the impact of climate change. And it's an album that asks important questions. Where do we go now? And what can I do as an individual to make a difference? It's an incredibly thought-provoking and inspiring interview. So please stay with us and settle down and enjoy Annie Sumi in conversation on Fukuoka's Ring.
That's Annie Sumi with the beautiful spoken word circles, followed by Over the Hills from her gorgeous new album, Solastalgia, a recording with a deep and powerful connection to the earth that celebrates the marvel of the living world, while also sounding the alarm that we're starting to lose that connection, that sense of belonging, and that irresponsible stewardship of the planet is leading us down the road to irreversible climate change and global catastrophe, alongside a massive impact on our own emotional and mental well-being. Now, it's heady stuff for sure, but these are conversations we need to have, and in particular, answer the questions. Where do we go now, and what can I do as an individual to make a difference? To learn more about this incredibly thought-provoking new project, we're pleased to welcome Annie Sumi to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to have you join us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jan. <laughs> well, you know, what I love about your music is that you, you always try and pull out some really important issues in, in what you write about. And, you know, I've mm. known you for a few years now, back when you were a member of the Developing Artists Program at the mm. Folk Music Ontario Conference. And even then... Uh, your music was turning heads and certainly getting people to, to talk about, you know, the way you write and the subjects you choose to write about. This project, though, it feels like it's really kicked it up a notch completely. Mm. I think this is, is this album number three? I think it would be. Yeah, this is the third. Yeah. This is the third album. Uh, very powerful subject matter. Uh, we've mm. just gone through the climate change conference in Glasgow and a lot mm -hmm. of discussion on climate, but that was actually now two weeks ago and, you know, everybody's moved on because, you know, unfortunately we are in COVID times. We're mm -hmm. concerned about potential for new variants and yeah. what have you. We've got an economy to think about and everything else that pushes issues of the environment off the front page. Mm -hmm. uh, although, let's be honest, we're also dealing with significant amounts of flooding in the west of North America and particularly in uh, British Columbia and in Washington State. So uh, yeah. these are issues that aren't going away. But I think that you have a, a very interesting take on this because I think you're really speaking to everybody as individuals on this album, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I find it like it's, it feels like a conversation, you know, that we're all having together at the same time, but also, you know, conversing with the world in which we are a part of when we think about the state of our environment, if you will, we're not really in conversation with our environment. We're in conversation with ourselves and our relationship to environment. But I feel like there's so much work to be done in our communities and in the global scale where we are actually reaching out and trying to be in conversation with the beingness that is this world, you know? And I feel like that was sort of, that was echoed in the conference in Glasgow, just sort of this lack of understanding just what it means to be addressing the need and the urgency of care. I don't think, you know, anthropomorphizing anything is a great thing, but I have been loving how in different parts of the world, in South America and um, in New Zealand, we've had these cases where 
you know, bodies of water or rivers or mountains have been given um, a trial where they are considered to be, they're given civil rights, essentially. And that's sort of the way in which, unfortunately, we bring those entities into the conversation in a way that actually reflects how important it is that they're sitting at the table, you know? So that, that is one way in which I feel like the music is speaking with all the, all the different beings at the table. Yeah. So let's talk about the title of the album, Solastalgia, because that is a, a, a term that was actually coined by an environmental philosopher, wasn't it? Can you just talk a little bit about that and how that feeds into the whole theme behind the album? Definitely. Um, I read it. It's called, uh, his book is called Earth Emotions. And it was written by Dr. Glenn Albrecht. And yeah, environmental philosopher, just an incredibly profound thinker and feeler. And at the time I read it, it was, it could not have been a more perfect set of words to accompany the journey I was walking at that time in my life. Because it basically provided a, a bed of language to describe the grief I was lying in. And particularly the word solastalgia for me stuck out. At the moment when I was reading this book, you know, I believe it was like the first enormous fire devastation in Western Canada. And in Perry Sound, also in Northern Ontario, we had this, what was that? It must have been 2018. We had this summer of fires in Canada. And I remember just reading about the summer of fires in Canada, and then it was coinciding with these fires in Australia. And I was reading all these articles about just how devastating that was for the ecosystems and the animals and also the people and communities in those areas, and just feeling this immense sense of grief. And at the same time, you know, just to accompany my journey, there was Dr. Glenn Albrecht with his lexicon of words about ecological grief. And I was reading through this book, Earth Emotions, and kind of just weeping at different sections, even though it's very academic, there were moments where I would just read and reread and reread um, his definition of solastalgia, of eco-anxiety, of global dread, all these terms that he had kind of incorporated into his vocabulary to better identify emotionally where we are relating to the state of the natural world. And so, yeah, that that word holds a lot for me in my heart and continues to change shapes and morph in different ways. You have described it as homesickness, and I think that's probably come through a lot of people who have, have looked at Glenn Albrecht's work, that mm -hmm. it's homesickness for something that you're actually still involved with, that you, you know, it's, I guess I would say a sadness for, for the how we're letting the environment go mm -hmm. and how we seem somewhat powerless to make a difference Definitely. I mean that really is, seems to be what drives this right I mean mm -hmm. 
You know, and I guess that there is an interesting parallel with COVID times as well, because I think in COVID times, there is that feeling of powerlessness that although we can't see this virus, we know it's there because people are getting sick, getting very sick yeah. with it and sadly dying. But at the same time, you as an individual, you know, apart from doing your bit and, you know, getting vaccinated and, and staying safe and, and making sure that you avoid, you know, getting someone else sick, you, mm -hmm. it's kind of hard. I guess the the thing that scares me about all this is that it also tends to push people into this whole idea of, well, you know, maybe I should just feel good. You know, it's it's almost like we're on the Titanic. It's going down anyway. But hey, let's get that band playing. Yeah, um, there's yeah. A, a definitely a, a fatalist uh, <laughs> sort of approach you could take for sure. Yeah. But I find that it's quite inspiring to feel that sense of homesickness in the album but also just in my life kind of realizing that you can have that feeling at, for so many different things for instance right now in the context of covid it's like we all have this deep maybe not we all but a lot of us have this deep longing and homesickness and nostalgia for what it is to gather with people that we love and you know that that comfort and that sense of belonging and home that you feel with people that see you for all that you are. And we've been in this couple of years where we're just isolated and on our own. And, you know, I feel the nostalgia of being among people that, you know, that create that sense of belonging for each other. And so I feel like the word itself applies to so many different parts of life, whether it is like, you know, literally a loss of a landscape that you have once loved or tended or made beautiful memories in, or if it's in a relationship where once you felt very comfortable and held and safe in that space and it disintegrates in some way, or whether it's in the context of community and being able to gather, it's it's very present in our lives. And I feel like no matter who, who it is that's, you know, bringing that piece of reflection into their lives, they can connect with that sense of home, homesickness or nostalgia for something that once was very uh, comforting. And that might be any type of situation in their life. And it just so happens that it is a very real sensation that we're having and have been having for years and years and years with our wild spaces. And that's a good lead into to talking about the the song and the spoken word we, we started off with. Because mm -hmm. one of the things you do say is that, you know, when you are connecting to nature and connecting to the environment, your attitude to everything does change. And, and you know, I love the way you started the album off with Circles, mm. a beautiful spoken word, you know, talking about some of the birds you see, you know, <laughs> the, being out on the rocky shore. Can you talk a little bit about how that was important, but also how it, you know, one of the things I'm really big on, I, I love it when an artist puts an album together where you have songs that blend in to each other. And although mm. these songs could be listened to individually, they actually work really well together, which is why I wanted to start things off like that. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Definitely. It did feel really important to begin and end the album from this 
very deep-rooted hope and and love and connection for this magical, mysterious world that we live on. So Circles and Over the Hills both kind of take that uh, whimsy and joy and feeling of interconnection and expand that into what I would call a sonic landscape. And so to me, like the way that those two songs flow into each other are just kind of like a symbiotic composition. Like one just informs the other kind of meandering in that way. Yeah. Does that answer the question? I I think it does. I, I mean, I immediately connected to it because, you know, one of the things we know that, you know, when people are dealing with any mental health challenge or, you know, you're, you're feeling down for any reason, getting out into nature mm-hmm. and connecting, you know, that whole idea of, you know, taking your shoes off, obviously not in winter in Canada, yeah. but, um, <laughs> you know, if you can get onto the beach and, you know, you can mm-hmm. paddle in the water or mm-hmm. get out into nature and just listen to the sounds, mm-hmm. that can have a huge difference, make yeah. a huge difference to your psyche and how you feel. So I, I found it a real connection. And what one of the things I love about this project is the fact that you say, hey, you know, if we don't think about what we're losing, mm-hmm. by the time we wake up, yeah. it'll be too late. I mean, it's it's like the destruction of the Amazon that's sadly going on now, Yeah, you know, for palm oil plantations. I mean, it's, it's very hard to revert, you know, it's very hard to reverse that. Mm-hmm. And uh, once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, having a statement like this at the beginning, I think, is 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 really, really powerful. Thank you. I think it was Joanna Macy who said, if you don't fall in love with something, you won't stand up for it. What my greatest hope for a song like that, um, and a few of the songs on this album, is to just inspire people to fall in love with the wild world and to go out there and do exactly that bring your adrenals down by just sticking a paddle in the water you know Mm. and and then I found like when you connect to a place you connect to an ecosystem in that way even if it's just a pleasant memory of a hike you had one sunny summer day you know, when somebody comes in and says, okay, we're going to take this place away, you are 100% more likely to say no, no, you're not, than if it was just a patch of woods that you had no emotional connection to. So yeah, that love is like, the love is what fuels our inspiration to stand up. And it also is what fuels the grief too. When you love something so much, you grieve for it, you know? Mm. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So tell us about Into Nothing. Mm. We're going to play oh, that actually. song next. Yeah. Tell us about <laughs> this one because, again, you know, I love the, the way you've sequenced these songs together. Thank you. <laughs> this one was so fun to write. This was, um, this was inspired by my favorite poet, Mary Oliver, who happened to be kind of the first, I think Wordsworth was one of my first favorites in the sense that it was that sort of pastoral kind of whimsy and magic but then I remember I read a poem by Mary Oliver when I was like in high school it spoke to me in a way where I was 
feeling like, oh, she understands how I feel when I go to the woods. She knows what that is. It was the first time that I was able to step back and feel as if reading somebody else's words described exactly what I was hoping to say. In 2019, she passed in the early spring of 2019, and I was very moved reflecting on her life and how how small her footprint was, quote-unquote, so to speak. So I was reflecting on her life and just taking in all the stories that people wanted to share about her life. And then I ended up, I was at the BAMP Center at the time, and I ended up reading a whole uh, anthology of her works. And that song basically was reflecting on, you know, many of the different poems that she had written in her lifetime, but also, you know, her beingness in this world. You know, she, she was very committed to not leaving much of a carbon footprint. So that idea of if I live as lightly on the ground, barely there, would I leave a footprint on the ground? That's, that's sort of the, the idea behind the song. Just one pebble on the shores of heaven Just one tail of the wind Just one star falling weightless into nothing Makes me wonder where darkness begins Just one glimpse of the wild geese flying One warm droplet of rain Just one taste of that maple sweet water Makes me wonder, is spring coming? And 
to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's Annie Sumi with Into Nothing from her wonderful new album, Solastalgia, an absolutely fabulous album with a, a really important environmental message. Annie Sumi's our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today, chatting about the project. Over what period of time did you start to bring these songs together? A few of them had been coming together, you know, even back in like 2017, probably. But for the most part, I would say the bulk of the album was written in 2018, 2019, and then recorded in 2019 at the end of the year. And that's yeah. that's the interesting thing about the project, because, I mean, this is not something that you were necessarily working on in uh, lockdown, in isolation, but I could see yeah. how you could do that. Uh, but this is, an, <laughs> yeah. this is a project that you had been progressing through and I can really sense the you know the passion that you have for it I mean you know you wanted to do this right would mm. that be fair to say I mean yes definitely I there are so many moments where I look back on the whole process and just feel this sense of gratitude for all the people who were able to hold that space and also without trying to sound self-indulgent, but I feel a sense of gratitude to myself for going to that place where a lot of these songs come from. It can be a scary place to go to when you're digging deep into it and emerging, re-emerging with a new and continually uh, evolving sense of connection and place in the world. I gotta say, I don't listen to my own music very much, but there have been a couple moments where I've listened to the album front to back and just felt a deep sense of gratitude for that journey. Yeah. And so when you write a song like Mother, I mean, I, I guess the, the challenge I have is I think a lot of people don't really feel very connected to the earth at all, where this is mm -hmm. a, a real statement. I mean, you know, you know, the, the earth is our mother and, you know, the idea that somehow we don't have any responsibility for looking after her wellness or you know the wellness of the the planet and everything else on it is is would be a huge mistake and a huge mm -hmm. uh misconnection can you talk mm -hmm. about this song yeah definitely 
I kind of want to approach it from a different angle than I have before because I just, as you were speaking, had this little image pop through my mind. But I feel like, you know, so often on the human journey, we are spending most of our time just tending to the very basic needs or tending to our internal landscapes, our, our mental health, our physical health, our you know, immediate surrounding community. And so much of that time is exhausting. You know, I want to I wanna honor that a lot of people spend most of their time just living. And that's as much as can be done. And then I think when we take a further step back from that place where we're in that like constant fight or flight adrenaline mode, just trying to get all the things done for the day. When we step back from that moment, if we can, when we can, we realize that everything that nourishes us in that day, even, even if it's a crazy upside down day, comes from this body that is the earth. You know, I think about that like, sometimes I'm rushing about here and there trying to do the things And then I take a glass of water into my body and I'm like, wow, that is just so nourishing. And it immediately makes you feel this like energy in your body. And I feel like when we have one moment to reflect upon that, then it's like, okay, yes, we need to tend to all these human narratives and all every one of these little seeds that's playing out growing in our lives. But from the greater body, there's this enormously generous earth that has been helping us, you know, stay grounded in all of this noise. And when do we stop to take care of her, you know? And I think about that a lot, like sort of the the idea of mother and how I've been, you know, my relationship to my own mother and my mother's relationship to her mother. And there's this sense of uh, care that you give towards, you know, the idea of a mother. And I want so badly for that to translate (laughs) into, you know, the the potential uh, perspective change of how we can, we could view this, this body. Every boy. 
Hi there, this is Moonfruits. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's Annie Sumi with Mother from her great new album, Solastalgia. Annie Sumi is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. So let's talk about the making of the album. You mentioned that you made the album at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. You went in the, the studio to, to work on this. Working with Neil Whitford, who I think you've worked with before, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. So tell us a little bit about getting together with people and who plays on this. Oh my goodness, what a treat it is to be able to say all their names. Neil Whitford produced, did a lot of the production work on this album. He played guitar on this album, he played electric bass on this album. And he has just this unbelievable ability to to hear the vision and then create it, um, create the space for it. So he is, he is kind of like, if I were to think about him, he would be like the soil of this entire album. And then all the people who played on it is just mind boggling. So I will tell you all the voices that you hear accompanying my own and a little tidbit of banjo is um, Anita Cazola and Liv Cazola from The Lifers. And then we have the absolutely beautiful flute melodies that you hear kind of returning a theme in the album is Anne Fung, who I'm sure you know, Jan. And then we also have 
uh, Sam McClellan, who plays upright bass on the album. And we have Oshin Hannigan, who plays Boron on the album. And Derek Gray, who does all the percussion on the album. And then we have an incredible string duo, Jillian Sartag and Jenna Gallagher. So Jillian plays cello and Jenna plays violin. So they're all the string arrangements that you hear on the album. Oh, Jeremy did some auxiliary percussion as well. And you know what? That might be that might be the roster. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Was there a lot of a layering in the production, the way you put this together? Some of it, yeah. There were some overdubs. My favorite days, though, were ones where we were all playing live off the floor. So we had some uh, just magical sessions at Canterbury Studio in Toronto where we would basically record all the bed tracks um, together in separate rooms and feeling that come to life all together in the same room was just pure magic for me. <laughs> so the album is out there now. What happens now? I mean, have you had much chance to to present it to the world? I mean, bearing in mind COVID, yeah. you know, everything else. I know. It's been, I got to say, it's been a bit of a, a couple of years um, for everyone and on my own my own little sphere universe this album has been kind of a strange one it was supposed to be released in 2020 and i just decided that i was gonna wait and so i did and i waited a whole year and just decided it was time you know like i think most creative people like yourself can can kind of feel the same feeling that i've had with needing to get this work out so that new things can bubble forward <laughs> and I have been you know it was a little disappointing that we couldn't have a release show as it goes and we couldn't have a release tour as that goes um, but I feel hopeful that there might be a possibility to have a sort of re-release of this in a way where I can plot out some some dates where we can get all these incredible players in the same room together to just bring this album to life in a way that I wasn't able to put together for the hard release this year. Well, I, I would tell you that you don't need to use the word re or the, re. <laughs> the, the addition re at the beginning of release, because as far as I'm concerned... Uh, the project is still the project and, you know, mm -hmm. whether it gets released, you know, like you said, you waited because, mm -hmm. you know, the time just didn't feel right. Now you would like to start getting it out there. There are huge conversations to be had with, you know, how we move forward. So I would certainly encourage you to, to think of this as, you know, it's not being re-released at all. It's being released and it will come forward. Now, do you see a tour where you would be playing predominantly Solastalgia? I mean, I'm thinking like perhaps a set of music from Solastalgia and then, uh, you know, maybe another set that would look at, you know, some of your other work from the wonderful In the Unknown from 2017 and then Reflections from 2015. Yeah, that would be, that would be ideal. <laughs> yeah. I would love to be able to um, put together sort of a release tour 
that highlights uh, the album, but also, you know, we could put together some new and exciting arrangements for old songs as well. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm also thinking about the opportunity to involve other people in the project. You know, mm -hmm. this project is inspired by people you read, you know, working in the in the area of uh, the environment and trying to get people to to look as, as best they can at, at where they are. I started this conversation with the two questions. One was actually one question that came from you, which was, where do we go now? But then also the question that uh, I know a lot of people are asking is, what can I do as an individual to make a difference? Mm. Uh, can we talk a little bit about those? I mean, uh, where do we go now? Yeah, that is a great question, my friend. <laughs> where do we go now is sort of, the question I keep coming back to, um, especially during this pandemic, it has felt like a constant feeling inside me where I'm, I'm aware that we've been given a lot of opportunity in this moment to slow down and reflect. And also I'm noticing the ways in which we're stepping back into this world that we've known and I'm wondering, okay, how do we inspire each other to move a little differently than perhaps we did before? And I think about the where do we go now? You know, there's so, so much there. And I think it is overwhelming when we think of it as a whole. I know I've felt that feeling, and I'm sure so many people have, when we think, oh my gosh, at the scale of this whole world and everyone who is living on this world, where could we possibly move to from here? I think that's sort of an overarching theme for a lot of people. Like, because it's so overwhelming, perhaps we result to do nothing, because I'm sure I've been there before. Um, that feeling of overwhelm can be kind of debilitating sometimes. But I feel like what I take a lot of inspiration and energy from is the small things that we can do as individuals that help to create a better world. Um, and that could be so many different things. It's unique to every single person's community. It could be repatriation of land, rematriation of land or seeds. It could be if you have an amount of wealth that you have in your pockets that could be spread among many communities to help create more infrastructure and access to clean drinking water. And we have all these practices and people who are fronting incredible ecological restoration projects, but also creating systems in which we are cr like basically creating a circular sustenance with the earth. So in the waste that we are producing, we are also making it more sustainable. So we have like a lot of small initiatives that put together make a huge difference. And I wish I could just like reach out to every single person that might listen to this, to this radio show and do some research on what is local to them because there are always so many things happening. And it's just about putting aside some time and genuinely giving of yourself and your energy and your love and your care to these projects that are already in motion. 
that feels like a tangible way of helping to support some of those things that will restore our ecosystems. And I guess it's that that fact that although you may feel, you know, you may be struggling with overwhelm, you may feel like you're such a small individual that you you don't have much opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, to me, I think the important thing is to recognize that you're not just working for you. You're not just doing things that would help you. Mm-hmm. You are doing things that will help your family, your children, your grandchildren, their children, mm-hmm. their grandchildren. And, and you know, basically, you know, protect this planet. I mean, like, you know, yeah. one of the things that I heard coming through strongly with the Glasgow talks is there is no planet B. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a billionaire, yeah. you might think that you can run off to another planet and start again. Mm-hmm. But there is a wonderful children's book that talks about how that can go wrong. Ooh, um, what's you know, the name of that book? I cannot remember the name of the book just now, but I do remember reading it Amazing. one time to uh, some kids. But, you know, about the idea that you could somehow start again somewhere else. But then, you know, uh, unfortunately, people's desires to accumulate can get in the way of everything. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and I think if we could all just be a little happier with less and mm-hmm. share more, Definitely. We'd all be a lot happier. And and getting back to the, the theme that we started with mm-hmm. when you talked about, you know, being on the rocky shore, listening to the birds, mm-hmm. being out in nature, how, what the effect that has on how we feel generally. There's lots of research shows that it doesn't just benefit your mental health. It also mm-hmm. helps your physical health as well Definitely. because the body responds to that feeling of well-being. And I, I certainly, I, I'm very big these days and I'm encouraging people to focus on uh, well-being generally mm-hmm. in a holistic way mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, you know, looking for that, that quick hit of pleasure um, because to get people a, through. a really good practice, a meditation practice, is that right? We do, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. My partner and I, we, you know, we, we have, have been doing, we, we call it our inner being work. We do inner mm-hmm. being work every day, uh, morning and night. As when we also have a gratitude practice, which I'm sure you do. Um, but, you know, we've been spending a lot of time, you know, focusing on, you know, being in the moment as far as our lives are concerned, because they're the only moment that we have. But but trying to live with a, um, you know, a positive enriching intention and intention is really important to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk about how that impacts your life? Yeah, definitely. I, I just loved what you were saying about, you know, taking into consideration that we leave the legacy of our life in the hands of our grandchildren and their children and all these generations to come. And I think about that, like, even just talking to you, I feel a sense of presence that's really special, Jan. But in thinking, if you are present in every moment even if it's just you you aren't thinking about the future, if in every moment you are aware that your life and legacy is informing and leaving behind uh, root systems for the generations to come, then what sort of intention do you live in that moment? You know, I, I got to check myself often. You know, I am, I am human. But there are so many moments where I come back to the word integrity and 
it's a bit of a troublesome word because I know that it might mean different things for different folks. Um, but for me, it's a lot about intention, intentionality, and making small decisions that do have that um, integrity behind them, where the decisions that you're making in that moment, whether or not you're conscious of them, are also decisions that you're making on behalf of the generations to come. So I love that you were talking about sort of how your presence and intention kind of are hand in hand. That's a beautiful way of putting that. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, I, I was, you know, trying to think every day about things you can do to make lives, you know, better for other people. I mean, you know, one of the things about loving kindness practice, which is a lot of what we do now, is that, you know, if you, you know, work on, you know, being as loving and kind as you can be for other people, mm -hmm. uh, you also gain a benefit from that. And if we turn things back to the planet and doing whatever we can to make a difference, and if that means calling people out, and I think we certainly need to do that with our politicians, then that is mm -hmm. something that we all need to do. Yeah. Because it's very easy for people to say, yeah, but we need to do this. Well, mm -hmm. you, you know, we need to find ways to do both. Because yeah. as the people in British Columbia and other places are experiencing just now, things are not going to get better. They may get better in the short term, but mm -hmm. we're going to deal with more and more of this unless we actually stand up and say, no, I think we need to do things differently. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. If you want to learn more about Anisumi, go to anisumi.com. There will be a tour coming up. I know she will be in Guelph at the Wonderful Silence uh, in early January. So uh, definitely uh, looking forward to that. We're going to finish with Wild Wild Country, which I love this song because this is another one of those songs that talks about, you know, what you can get out of your interaction with nature. But this is a story song as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is sort of a story song. A lot of the songs on the album are inspired by landscapes, and this one particular, particularly to me uh, kind of spans that Manitoba, Saskatchewan prairie landscape, thinking about the wild horses. And I, uh, I was kind of reflecting on this idea of people talking about cowboys and how how sort of troubling that was to me and how the way that they talk and sort of romanticize this very, I don't know, controversial character in our history, but also in our sort of like, I don't know, popular narratives. I've been thinking so much about the politics in North America and how it has felt like a wild, wild west, just like total mayhem. <laughs> and so I guess sort of the story in this song, it's both inspired by some real events, but also inspired by the global political platform as this wild west cowboy kind of situation <laughs> and um yeah and in this story that it was originally inspired by my friend said to me you know like if you don't stand up against the man or against a man then nothing changes and you know people just bow their heads and they don't say anything until you stand up against it 
and so I kind of took that that idea and ran with it. <laughs> yeah, it's so a gr- it's was... a great song, and it's certainly you know uh, a wonderful introduction to the album. We're using it to wrap up this conversation. Annie Sumi, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you mm-hmm. today. Annie Sumi with Wild Wild Country from the wonderful Solastalgia. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jan. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thank you.